Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Locked On Bucks, presented by BrewHoop.com. Frank Madden and Eric Name with you, having just uh, digested the Milwaukee Bucks 101 83 loss in Evansville in Indiana to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Eric, how is that? How's that game going down? Is it going down easy? Indigestion, heartburn. How you feeling about that? That game? Well, I got a lot of Indiana tourism on my uh, stream of the Indiana of the Fox Sports Indiana feed. So I'm just sitting here thinking about I-69 and all the great things that they're doing in Evansville, Indiana. So I guess I've been kind of distracted by uh, by that. I can't even think about the game at this point. All right. Well, uh, we'll get into the game. Uh, This episode brought to you by our good friends at SeatGeek. Download the mobile app to get the best possible deals on tickets to concerts and sporting events. And be sure to use our promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S, L-O-B-U-C-K-S, at SeatGeek. Get your $20 rebate on your first purchase. Um, So in a lot of ways, this game kind of reminded me of the reverse of the Bulls game in the sense that in the Bulls game, the Bucks starters went down 14 to three, looked completely discombobulated. You know, the Bulls were sagging off of them. Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade were hitting threes. And then they basically needed the the bench mob to come in, Della Vadova, Toledovich, Monroe, uh, MCW, Beasley, and, and all those guys actually played well and, and basically kind of brought them back into the game and, and propelled them to a win, which was, you know, kind of an unsatisfying way to win a preseason game, especially when Giannis in particular and, and Jabari as well, you know, really didn't kind of stand out particularly well, didn't seem to make adjustments well. Uh, Jabari obviously came back with a big game last game. Giannis probably struggled even more in the last game. And so I think the big, you know, hey, put on a smile aspect of this game, obviously, is that Giannis was was the star and and looked much more like the Giannis we're used to. Uh, 20 points, I think, on 13 shots. Uh, was it six assists, five boards, or five assists, six boards, whatever it was. Some, something like that. Yep. Um, hit a three-pointer. General, generally sort of just looked very difficult to contain. I think especially with Indiana not having a lot of size inside. Uh, Thad Young did get up and block Giannis at the rim once, but for the most part, you know, they started off with Monte Ellis trying to check him, uh, and and that did not work out so well. Giannis, I think, showed very good, um, I think, composure on the ball, uh, just sort of spinning around <laughs> Monte Ellis very easily and getting an early dunk and just sort of generally being able to use that size uh, as an advantage. John Henson also playing very well, uh, 11 points, 8 rebounds, 17 minutes in the start, and... Um, I guess the interesting thing is, generally, the Bucks were up, I think, twenty-one twenty at one point, and we'll get to what happened thereafter in a moment. But do we have uh, to? Yeah, we have to. But l- give me your thoughts. So this starting lineup, uh, Della Vadova, for whatever reason, got rested tonight, probably because I think you were we were discussing earlier. You mentioned there just are too many guys to get a look at, so I guess they decided to rest Della Vadova. Um, no Della Vadova, but Malcolm Brogdon again starts. 
and then Giannis, Jabari, Thon Maker, and John Henson. So um, I guess all length, the all length lineup uh, was started uh, probably earlier than we ever would have thought we'd see it. But um, aside from I guess Giannis playing well, or or maybe you wanted to look at, look at that a bit. What was your take on that starting group? And um, before we get into the um, you know burning depths of hell that came thereafter, what what would you think? It, it was strange to see that lineup because I can't imagine we're going to see it a lot this season. Um, maybe we will, but uh, it, it was just interesting to see the last two games the Bucks start Giannis essentially at shooting guard, um, however you want to try to put together a lineup, but that would be where he would probably be defensively. And I guess it's going to – it's throughout this season, it's going to be there where – some teams might just not be able to match up with Giannis. And obviously, if the Pacers have Paul George, well, then there's probably not uh, these mismatches. But not every team has a Paul George, and not every team has a good enough wing defender that they can put on Giannis. So there there could be nights where if you put a weird enough lineup in, teams are going to have to somehow figure out what to do with Giannis. Do they put a big on him? Do they put a, a small on him? And if they put a, a small on him, then that means a big has Thon. But if you switch it around, then all of a sudden Monte Ellis is covering Thon Maker. And uh, the other team has a lot of interesting decisions to make if you start a lineup like this or even just use a lineup like this for be it two or three minutes in a game. So um, I guess the encouraging thing out of this was it appears that the Bucks may be able to force the other team's hand a little bit, um, at least offensively with a lineup like this. Um, defensively, who knows how good it was, how bad it was. Um, it, they played pretty even with the Pacers offensively to start the game, and obviously it got worse after that. But the starters, uh, I think Thon's a plus 16, Henson's a plus 12, Brogdon plus six, Giannis uh, plus one, I think. So it can work, and they can kind of create some interesting mismatches there. Uh, but, yeah, overall, it, it was cool to see Giannis look like Giannis. Um, it wasn't a lot in point guard play, um, and I think that that was another interesting thing, that a lot of it was punishing people on the block. And I think there are some people that think that might be the way that Giannis eventually becomes a lead guy where it's more of the LeBron role where he gets it on a block and tries to make plays out of the block and kinds of tries to kind of physically punish people uh, with a mismatch. So uh, that was interesting to see. And yeah, you, you're dead on. It was completely composed. He did a really nice job taking his time down there and getting other people involved when the help would come. So that was great. And yeah, John Henson looked alive. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember things he did in the game, um, which is not something I could say in the first two preseason games. So so that was great. Uh, eight rebounds, 11 points, uh, throwing a block and a steal. He was active. He looked good. And he got a chance to be with the starters and kind of see how that went. So, yeah, those two were, were definitely the bright spots in that starting lineup. Before I give it back to you, though, Frank, I do want to mention our sponsor, SeatGeek. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, whether you want to sit at the 50-yard line, the club seats, or the upper level. And with the Packers winning their last game and now taking on the Dallas Cowboys, that's probably the biggest football game of the week. 
maybe the biggest football game of the year thus far. And if you're looking for tickets for that game, the SeatGeek app is the way to do it. So make sure you have the SeatGeek app on your phone and go check out the seats that are in Lambeau. It's going to be a tough ticket to come by, and there isn't a better place on the internet to find tickets for that game than SeatGeek. And with SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest price available. And you can see it on your phone. You can see where the best deals are. They're they're color-coded. They're easy to see. You'll know exactly what you should be getting and where you should be able to get it. And with the app, you can see exactly what the play will look like from your phone. It's really awesome. You need to go check that out. And best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O-B-U-C-K-S. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S today. Now, let's get back into the conversation. Frank, what do you got? It, it felt very Jason Kidd to trot out Giannis, uh, you know, effectively playing shooting guard against uh, a, a lineup that, you know, as we mentioned yesterday in the preview, the, the Pacers have become a very small backcourt with Monte, who obviously is a holdover, but Jeff Teague is obviously smaller than George Hill, who's now gone. And so that was, I think, an interesting uh, pairing. And then interesting that Jason Kidd sort of put the ball in Nate McMillan's court and said, OK, we're going to go really big. How are you going to defend us? And they tried to basically play sort of heads up with you know, Giannis was guarding Monte a lot early. Monte was trying to guard Giannis uh, and obviously struggled to do that. And we all know uh, Jason Kidd loves himself a mismatch. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, 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 we were talking about this before the before the pod. Uh, it's funny because when, when Monte and Brandon Jennings were in Milwaukee, I remember uh, probably the first full season they were together, which I guess was also the last full season they were together. I, I remember hearing John Hammond on the radio and someone asked, you know, well, don't you worry that that, that backcourt is too small and opponents can post them up, et cetera, et cetera. And he said something which I think is true and which I think is a good point, which is that maybe, you know, teams will go down in the post and try to use a bigger guard against those guys, you know, once or twice. But all NBA teams don't want to play that way. They don't want to play with their guards trying to post up the other team guards and you know run that way they don't people don't practice that that's just not the way you, you normally run an offense and the irony of course is that john hammond now has a coach who maybe is the only coach who would like to play that way <laughs> and obviously when you have uh, a 6 11 7 foot guy uh you know who who is sort of the de facto shooting guard you know obviously he's still initiating a lot so you can call him a point guard or whatever you want to do but uh he's being guarded for large stretches by the opposing shooting guard he was deposing uh, he was also defending monte for stretches um that obviously works in your favor in ways that you know using a normal point guard in the post maybe doesn't and um and so i thought that was interesting and um i i don't know i mean from a lineup standpoint I kind of came away from this game again wondering when is Jason Kidd going to field a real starting lineup? <laughs> like, when are yeah. we going to see lineups that feel like actual lineups that you would want to use in a regular season game? Because, I mean, he's got a fair number of new faces. This is a young team. I'm kind of surprised that we're seeing these just 
random mishmash sort of lineups. And don't get me wrong. I mean, the starting lineup tonight was was fun. Like, I was excited when I saw it just because I, I want to see what Henson can do. I like the fact that he can defend. Yeah. I obviously want to see Giannis and Jabari out there. There are no shooting guards that I like on this team. Therefore, not having one on the floor isn't really that <laughs> terrible to me. Uh, and obviously, I like to see Thon play as much as possible. So, I mean, I was totally happy to see this this group go out there and start. But, yeah, I mean, are we actually going to see this ever playing together in the regular season? I mean, it would seem pretty weird. And resting Della Vadova, so you don't get, again, once again, don't see Della Vadova um, getting reps with, with Giannis and Jabari. That was kind of, I mean... I know he's a veteran, but this sort of seems like, well, okay, I guess we can push this off. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, what is is Jason Kidd sort of just messing around at some point? Are we going to see a lineup that we, you know, this this the the, the media day lineup? Are we going to ever see that? Um, are we going to see real shooting guards starting, or what do you what are you making of of some of these lineups that Jason Kidd is throwing out there? Yeah, I guess as you were posing the question, when will we see a real starting lineup? I started to think to myself, the Bucks do, don't have a. Yeah, I was like, do the Bucks have one? Like, uh, how how would I define that? Because if they put in a quote unquote real shooting guard, then they don't have a real starting lineup because they don't have a shooting guard right now. Uh, and then if they go different and big, then Giannis is playing shooting guard, and that's not really anything. And I, I like it. It's just a it's a strange mismatch of players. Obviously, they don't. <laughs> Obviously, they miss Chris Middleton dearly, uh, and I don't think any of us really had any illusions about that heading into the preseason uh, and immediately following the injury. But it's it just, as I watched, I thought, oh, we're definitely going to see a, a placeholder shooting guard lineup where Rashad's getting a J.O.B. start or Brogdon's getting a J.O.B. start at the shooting guard position, and then you said, is it why don't, why don't they start this lineup where Giannis is at shooting guard and then I I thought yeah maybe they could so <laughs> I I just looking at this team I don't I don't get anything if that makes sense I I I, I really don't <laughs> I'm I'm at a complete loss for this team because another you posed a question about starting lineups and then I posed a question about what's the Bucks best defensive lineup like at an end of a game situation you need to get a stop who are you putting in the game and that was a different. That was a difficult question to answer because I I don't know is Thon in that lineup. Uh, it, I, there's so many questions with this team, and I understand so little about it that it, it's just going. It, it's going to be fascinating to see this team try to figure out its identity, or maybe it won't have an identity, but figure out lineups that work for two to three minutes at a time, and just kind of try to piece together games because it, it's out there, man. Like I I, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can can run two to three minute groups of lineups and succeed in the NBA. I think you probably need more more consistency than than that, or, or longer stretches than that. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think on the on the question of what the Bucks' best defensive lineup is, it's funny because I think last year in particular, you often kind of felt like, man, you know, probably putting Jabari out there late in games. That's that's probably not helping you yeah. <laughs> helping you win defensively and yeah you'd probably be better off shifting Middleton to the three Giannis to the four and then you know pick Bayless and I don't know whoever Mayo or whoever was alive and not injured at the time uh in the backcourt but with Middleton out okay who are your other (laughs) options at the forward spots Giannis is obviously a lock Giannis is obviously uh, a key guy to their defense 
but if you're going to take Jabari out, who are you putting in for defensive purposes? Well, you don't have any other real swingmen nope. in the Chris Middleton mold. You have Michael Beasley. Nope. 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 <laughs> he, he, has, he has grabbed some rebounds, but let's let's put Michael uh, for later. Uh, and then you've got Toledovich, who, I mean, I want Toledovich on the court late in games for shooting purposes, but certainly not for defensive purposes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of this weird situation. I mean, uh, you know, we, I, I mean, Henson can defend at the power forward spot if, if needed. I don't think it's his ideal spot. I think he's more of a center, but, um, maker, I guess is your, <laughs> is your, is your best defensive forward other than Giannis, I guess. Uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. I mean, it's kind of a compliment to Thon, but mostly just, sort of pointing out the the issues that the Bucks have. So uh, so I don't know. But one thing I was thinking about as, as we were watching tonight was, um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you told me that uh, Henson's outplayed Plumlee, then go right ahead. Play Henson with the starters. I'm yeah. fine with that. Um, I, you know, we, we really haven't seen, you know, the rim rolling that we've all got so excited about because Plumlee was really good at it last summer or last year. Uh Plumley hasn't done that at all. He's missed two dunks, and he did make another shot tonight, but it was weirdly off like a face-up where he <laughs> dribbled yeah. and and got in for a layup. Um, but Plumley hasn't even played much and hasn't really impressed when he's been in there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if John Henson is motivated and you want to, or if you just want to showcase him for a trade, uh, clearly you're not trading Plumley, especially given his his contract and his age, and and because he's Miles Plumley. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to start, if you want to start Henson. Follow the the Eric name playbook of of starting yeah. Henson, uh, if only to showcase, but also to get that defense. Fine, um, but I am resigned to Monroe playing as the second unit center, which, which is fine. Whatever. I mean, I don't think. I mean, you're you're basically backing yourself into a corner if you're not playing Greg Monroe. I mean, he's gonna hate yeah. life. You're not gonna be able to trade him. I mean, you might as well just give him twenty million dollars and pray that he takes it and yeah. walks away. Um, so if Monroe's the second unit center, then I don't know. Maybe. If you buy into the the ability to play that big lineup, um, that perhaps uh, you could play Toledovich in the big lineup instead of Thon, and then can you play Thon with Monroe and basically use Thon's mobility and you know rim protection? Um, which I mean, okay, he's he's not you know Bill Russell, but uh, <laughs> he's certainly better than Toledovich as far as mobility and. <laughs> And Shoplock, could could you maybe use that to to kind of band it over Monroe? But I don't know. I mean, we we haven't we I don't think we've seen enough to really know how this stuff is going to piece together. But it, it's definitely difficult to sort of make some really logical lineups with. with yeah, I think guys. that's one kind of interesting thing about all of the experimenting that's been done, uh, because the experiments I don't want to say have been bad, but. In that first game, did I necessarily want to see Brogdon and Vaughn on the floor at the same time at any point? No. Uh, are you ever are you ever <laughs> going to play that? I can't imagine a world where you do. Like, those guys, one should be on and the other should be off. That's pretty much how it goes. They can't be on the floor together. And then tonight where you go with Maker and Henson, okay, 
I like I I get that they may work together, but in the grand scheme of things, you already have some length in there with Giannis. Like, why not go Mirza in Henson, and then Henson and Giannis can kind of cover uh, and try to block some shots, and then with the second unit, Thon goes in with Greg, and Thon can try to make up for some of uh, some of the things that Monroe isn't great at. So, I I just wish the the experimentation would make a little bit more sense to me. Um, Again, I'm cool with trying out new things in the preseason, but at some point I would like things to make sense. Like I would like a starting lineup that would make sense. I would like uh, some pairings that, that would make sense. And, and I think we've seen them at times. Like I thought, MCW and Delhi was an interesting bench combination that kind of worked a little bit in the first game. Although Delhi should never come off the bench, Correct. right? Correct. Me. Never. Um, uh, but those two are interesting if you take out your placeholder shooting guard early and play those two together. Like that, that was an interesting experiment to me. So I would like to see more interesting experiments. Um, but yeah, the, getting to see the trio of Giannis, Jabari, and Mirza with Henson or Plumley would be great. Um, that would. That'd make me feel really good, and I'm not sure if we've have we seen it at all during the preseason. If we have, it it has to be pretty limited, right? Yeah, I don't. I mean, we haven't seen it to start uh, a game or, or a third quarter, uh, so so I don't know. I mean, un, unless there's some small period where you know one of those guys came in, checked mm-hmm. in as a sub, maybe there was some brief overlap, but but I don't know. Do you, here? Let me ask you a very weird question. When you were a kid, did you ever just like mix weird things together just to see what it looked like? Not and like not for the purposes of like eating it, but like did you ever take like toothpaste and mix it with like peanut butter or, or something gross just like that? Just just as a kid, mm-hmm. did you ever is this the weirdest question you've ever heard? Or did you ever no, do that? No, I, I did that and even times when I was eating stuff I would do it. <laughs> okay. So this is this is kind of what I feel like. Because I feel like I, I did that as a kid. I mean it just to like see or you the weirdness to, of you, it. You like see a soda machine and you put like five sodas in it and your mom's like you're such an idiot like that's gonna taste terrible and you're like i don't know mom i i think i, I got know. something cooking I mean, here this... like i've got it all figured out and then you taste it and yeah it's terrible um but yeah I, i've tried it the uh, one one quick departure uh from that it's weird when i so uh when i was a little kid and i lived in germany in in German, if you went into a restaurant you could get generally at the time but back in the day like mid to late 80s you could get three things you could get Coke, limo, which was like Fanta, mm. basically, or something called Spezi, okay. which I think was short for Spezial, which is like okay. special. And Spezi was just Coke and Fanta mixed. And that was like a totally normal thing to get okay. in a restaurant. Those three options. I, I, when I tell people that now, they just think it's really weird that you would ever mix Coke with anything other was than it like, any you know, good? mixed drinks or whatever. It was not bad. I would I would drink hmm. it sometimes. They even have a... I think they have something called meso mix in in Europe. That's actually uh, a mixture of that. But anyway, unlike Spezi, for the most part, <laughs> when you're mixing this random stuff together, you're experimenting yeah. with this stuff. Okay, you're a little kid. You're experimenting with stuff, but you're really not, you know, advancing the science of the universe Correct. in any particularly meaning, meaningful way. And I feel like that's kind of where we are with some of yeah. these lineups from the Bucks. It's like, okay, it's interesting to put some of these guys together. I mean, can Monroe and Toledovich and Jabari, uh, you know, not spontaneously combust yeah. defensively? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think they've played together. and I don't know. I can't remember really what, what's happened. Um, but, you know, are we 
really figuring out what the Bucks are going to do come regular season. I don't know. I don't feel like I'm getting that much insight. And, you know, again, I won't pretend to know what's happening in practice yeah. or, you know, the the personality and politics that, that Jason Kidd has to manage. But it, it is a bit weird um, that, you know, it just does feel like he's he's taking the toothpaste and the peanut <laughs> butter and just sort of jumbling it together. And ta-da! So... Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. They're all, they've all been very strange and I just can't really get a grasp. Like I, like I said, like I don't understand anything or even, even for example, tonight, Thon plays 18 minutes. Uh, why only eight? He plays 18. Jabari plays 26. Giannis plays 25. MCW gets 25. Rashad gets 24. I, Malcolm Brogdon gets 26. Why wouldn't Thon also get 20 plus minutes uh, were you fine with what you saw from Thon and that was good enough uh, the I don't know not like I said nothing makes much sense to me right now like, I, I just I'm trying to grasp things and find takeaways in this toothpaste and peanut butter experimentation and I, I got nothing I just have I got nothing yeah it's well it's a little hard because so if you look at the so the guards had big pretty you know the, a number of guards played over 20 minutes mcw vaughn brogdon um Giannis, if we're calling him a guard tonight all played 24 plus minutes jabari 27 and then all the kind of big guys had to split relatively fewer yeah. minutes or they all played fewer minutes had to split the minutes among more people um so i guess it was just sort of maybe a numbers game i was surprised that vaughn played you know those first whatever it was minutes seven eight minutes and then didn't come back at all in the uh in the first half so that's why his his plus minus is so nice because he was basically just watching while the pace, Pacers were dismantling. I mean, there was a forty there was a forty one to six run in this game. That is absurd. yeah, it's insane. Forty one. I mean, that was. I mean, again, not, not to make too big of a deal out of the preseason, especially given that the starters were pretty good. Giannis was good. That's more Correct. important to me than you know the bench looking like crap. But just like it just seemed like guys really did not. Care. Like it was like really guys were like oh this is a preseason whatever you know I mean and even guys that you wouldn't I mean Jabari had Jabari had like the worst 30 seconds of his preseason when he had a bad pass for a turnover and then he had he just let Al Jefferson on a switch just take the that, ball from that him. was the most insane thing I've ever seen and it, granted I was watching on a crummy stream so I was like oh that was probably Miles yeah. Turner or someone else and then no. I, I hear the announcer no. say oh that was Al Jefferson and then he dogs it on, yeah. And then he dogs on the other end, tries to front Al Jefferson, watches the ball go over him, and then basically just like gives no effort yeah. to try to then get back over to to Jefferson when he catches. I mean, it was just like, dude, this is like the whole your brain switches off problem that I think he is his biggest problem. It's just like, man, discipline, focus, blah blah blah. Try it. Um, yeah. So that that whole that whole that whole time period sucked, but. Um, but yeah, so I, I I guess Thon was just I don't know, but I agree I would be I would be trying to play Thon twenty five thirty minutes a game because I mean this kid has not played against anything close to his competition level. Let him, you know, let him just get reps and just see how he does and and learn on and the job. And there's such a, there's such a willingness to sit guards out, and it's like well, sit Plum out, sit, the sit Michael Monroe, <laughs> sit, sit Michael Beasley, Beasley. <laughs> sit sit a big so you can see Thon Maker longer. Like, doesn't that make incredibly logical sense like you're trying Malcolm Brogdon out there for the most minutes on the team Rashad Vaughn when he's been playing has been playing some of the most minutes on the team 
why is Thon not doing that? Uh, like, I, I just don't get it. If you're going to sit all these other guys out, sit Henson for a game so that both Plumlee and Monroe get meaningful reps. And then, the, and then the next game, sit Plumlee out so Monroe and Henson get meaningful reps. And then the next game, sit Monroe out so that Plumlee and Henson get meaningful reps. It, it's, it seems to they seem very willing to do that with the guards, but a position where they should do it at center... No, let's let's all have these guys get no reps and let's learn nothing about them. It j- well, I think I think we really need to see what kind of player Michael Beasley is. I don't I don't think we know what kind of guy he is. Does he uh, like to shoot or not? Because I've I've heard rumors that he likes to shoot, but I, I don't know. Got to find out. One for eight tonight. Oh, for three. At least he tried some threes. I give him credit for that. At least uh, one for eight tonight. Four points minus fourteen in thirteen minutes. Um, he had. I would say, uh, you know, it's it's hard to choose just one infuriating <laughs> Michael Beasley shot this preseason, but he had one play where I, I wish somebody had vined it. He was on the far left side. The Bucks were, you know, yeah. going to the right on your TV, and he was in the far kind of corner, and he had sort of a post up, and I think he had some smaller guy on him, and he kind of faces up halfway, and he's a lefty, so he lifts up his left leg, and kind of then like holds it for a second and then <laughs> shoots a, like a one-footed, you know, the Dirk fadeaway whatever thing. But it was just so bizarre because he didn't do it in like one-footed motion. He kind of like went into like Danielson, you know, <laughs> crane kick and then held it for a minute and then and then put up the shot, which of course missed. Man, just just bizarre. I think I think uh, if if the wheels come off. We have found our our tank commander for the 2016-17 season. Yeah, because uh, Beasley. I don't know if Beasley's going to get that many buckets, but Beasley will get shot attempts. Uh, so that was. And, and I guess one thing that's interesting to me about Beasley is that that seems like the guy Jason Kidd has not ever really played. Like he's never had a guy that just gets shot up, gets shots up, is lackadaisical on defense. That seems like the type of guy Kidd will bury nearly immediately once games start to matter but man is there a world where he doesn't get buried is there a world where he takes minutes that thon <laughs> could easily have I, i'm my mind's just boggled I, i'm very scared for that and and again i mean what if the bucks end up being terrible and have some injuries and beasley needs to play and that gets them closer to a pick whatever but man if they're trying to win games how can you play michael beasley <laughs> It is funny, right? Because on the one hand, you kind of say, like, "Well, you know, the Bucks don't have the Bucks offense doesn't have you know a lot of shot creators, yeah. or don't you know is is the, the, they've been a bad offense." So uh, let's go get us somebody who we can put on the bench and bring off the bench, and you know he can go and get you buckets. It's like okay, but then you kind of look at it, and just like the history of Michael Beasley says, you're never actually better off putting him on the no. court. Uh, it's just such a fascinating. Such a fascinating thing. I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I hope he, you know, I hope he plays better for the sake of us having to watch him and everything. <laughs> he seems like a funny, entertaining guy. Um, but yeah, if if Beasley is uh, if Beasley's getting, you know, fifteen minutes a game and Thon is buried and Beasley's seeing any time at at power forward, uh, the the comment sections on on our site and Real GM and every place else, I'm sure, are going to be. 
just burning down uh, with with, uh, yeah. <laughs> with agony over over Thon not playing over Michael Beasley. But uh, anyway, one thing before we head out, um, it's a question I've posed multiple times, um, but I'm going to pose it to you one more time and see how far we've progressed. What we think um, is Malcolm Brogdon good? <laughs> uh, well, I'd say we came into the season. And one of the questions was, will any of the young shooting guards or any of the young guards learn how to shoot? And um, Tyler Ennis had been in that conversation as well. Ennis, Brogdon, Rashad Vaughn, and I don't know if we're even still including MCW in, in, in the young shooting guards column or, yeah. you know, we kind of written off him ever shooting, <laughs> probably the latter. But uh, obviously Ennis is shipped out. And then of those two guys, I mean, I don't think we've seen – you know, Vaughn looks like he can shoot. He shoots an easy ball. And we know for the past year, it just has not gone in. So that's, so that's a problem. And he struggled again tonight. Um, and Brogdon just, you know, statistically had a good projection in college because he was a great free throw shooter, pretty good three-point shooter. But you just look at him shoot threes and it's just like, this guy, he can't get the ball there. You know, it just doesn't look like he can... It's like you have to you'd have to totally overhaul his yeah. form just to make it look like comfortable shooting shooting that the NBA three. So Vaughn is shooting eleven percent from three in this in this preseason. And I wouldn't I would say he doesn't look like he's I mean his shot looks better, but yeah, we we've seen the results. It it hasn't gone well. And Brogdon, I think a lot of people are saying like, Oh yeah, Brogdon's doing some good things, but he's shooting 14% from three this preseason, <laughs> and he's shooting 26% from the field. Uh, like they're both, they're both not very good, and they're both playing quite a bit. And I, I don't, man, it, it hasn't made me feel better about either of them. That maybe even a placeholder job shooting guard. I don't feel comfortable with them playing those 15 minutes. <laughs> I, it's they they both. I don't I don't know. It's it, again, I like I said, I don't understand anything right now. I don't get anything, and I think when I break the players down individually, I get why I don't get anything because I don't know how you try to put a roster together with these guys. Like it, it just doesn't really add up. And maybe everything will be better when Delavadova comes back because Delavadova has been good this preseason and, uh, and appears to be a good basketball player. But ugh, brutal stuff tonight. Yeah, if I think this team would look so much different if. If you could swap any of these uh, non-Delhi, non-Terry guards for a guy who could actually, you know, shoot 37, 38 percent from three, I think I think a lot of the, you know, heartache and heartburn that that we've been expressing probably goes away. I don't know. I mean, with Brogdon, he reminds me. I, I think I, I think I mentioned this during the summer, but th- there is kind of a I see a, a a fair bit of Charlie Bell in his okay. game, um, and you know, in terms of being a, a versatile defender. Yeah. Um, a guy who can handle the ball a little bit, even though he wasn't necessarily certainly wasn't, you know, wasn't a point guard in college. Um, you know, it looks like I mean, I think the interesting thing, Brogdon is being force fed minutes probably more than anybody else on this Bucks roster right now, despite all these guards being yeah. around. He started two out of three games. MCW has been finishing games. And by finishing, we mean playing garbage time. <laughs> Correct. You know, apparently trying to rack up stats, uh, which, you know, is consistent with the whole idea of the Bucks trying to trade him. Uh, and perhaps trying to groom Brogdon to make sure that he can actually play as a backup, you know, point guard. Um, so it's interesting. And, you know, Bell, Charlie Bell also had that kind of a little bit weird, like push yeah, sort of he did. 
three-point shot. Um, I think Charlie Bell's three-point shot looked better than Brogdon's, uh, and he did have some success with it. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to bury Brogdon at this point or or say he's never going to be able to shoot. But certainly, I think think the problem is, like, Vaughn is is in the neighborhood on his threes. Brogdon is a lot more like Giannis. It's sort of like comparing Giannis and Jabari. You know, Jabari is the king of... The king of rim outs, you know, I mean, it looks like he should be able to shoot. It just hasn't gone in very much from three point range. Vaughn is, I think, kind of similar. Uh, It looks like he can shoot threes. You know, teams defend him such that he can as if he can shoot threes. Probably teams also play him a bit tighter because they're not that worried about him putting the ball on the floor. Uh, Whereas Brogdon, you know, clearly wants to drive. He's not it doesn't look very confident in, in taking the NBA three. And just the way it comes out of his his, I mean, Giannis mechanics are they're not maybe super consistent, but at least he has an aesthetically okay mm-hmm. shot, right? It doesn't look like he'll struggle to get the ball to the rim, but obviously there are a lot of bad misses from him. Um, thankfully, he did hit that one three tonight. But Brogdon is just it's kind of like it just looks difficult for him to get the ball, you know, from twenty four feet yeah. away. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. I mean, I think you know, obviously, I think they like what he can do defensively, for his sure. versatility, um, which is strong. Um, he's smart. You know, he can handle the ball, actually, unlike, you know, uh, a pure yeah, shooting definitely. guard. So, so I don't know. He, clearly, they're trying to give him lots of reps, and uh, hopefully he'll kind of figure it out with the shot. But uh, but let's say this. I, I will – if you told me, you know, I, what, what would you put over-under on, on Brogdon's three-point percentage this year? Mm, that, that's an interesting number. Let's go uh, – I really should look up what Rashad's was last year. Uh, 29, 29. That's where it change. is. Uh, 29, over-under, Frank. That's tough. I, I was hoping you were going to say like 31 and then I would go <laughs> under. Um, I, I pride myself on my line setting. I'm sorry. Well, I'm being all, I'm being all pessimistic. So, yeah, I'll take the slight under. I think he's going to be bad from three. But it's kind of those things like if, if he tries to just shoot like corner threes and that probably would help yeah. him from the short corner. Um, but but I don't know. I mean, he as a guard, I mean, he's. He's probably not going to be camped there that much, but anyway, why don't we? Uh, any any final thoughts, or should we should we leave it there? Giannis looked good. John Henson appeared to be alive. That's a pretty good preseason game to me. Jabari took three yes. threes, made yes. one. Nobody got hurt. Those are all matters. good things. Um, so so I think that's I think it's fine, guys. I, I feel like we had a lot of negativity yeah. in this podcast, but I, I'm honestly not that stressed after that game. It's a preseason game, man. Relieved, yeah, relieved to see Giannis get some interested to see you know some of the lineup stuff and we'll just see hopefully stuff will start to come together a little bit here in these last few games uh reminder this episode has been brought to you by our good friends at SeatGeek. download their mobile app for the best deals on tickets to concerts and sporting events and be sure to use our promo code l-o-b-u-c-k-s to get a 20 dollars rebate on your first purchase thanks to SeatGeek. thanks to you for listening uh we still haven't done our reader uh or review shout outs let's do that tomorrow Eric. i look forward to it we've been bad at that. okay all right thanks guys fall has arrived at jc penny the perfect time to refresh your home from now until sunday get up to 50 percent off select comforter sets furniture and the most comfortable mattresses from top brands like tempurpedic sealy beauty rest and more and save 50 to 60 percent on select sheet sets plus an extra 15 percent with your coupon on select home items hurry and soon that's getting your pennies worth jc penny Valid 928 to 109 on select home items, furniture, and mattresses. Prices valid 928 to 101. Selections vary by store while supplies last. Fitting on regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. Some exclusion applies. Store or jcp.com for details.